You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Growing up, sports was difficult for Sophia Herzog, as she felt it was not really a level playing field for individuals like her. But now, the Paralympic silver medalist, who is an athlete ambassador for the Women's Sports Foundation and served as a guest speaker for National Girls and Women in Sport Day this year, is inspiring the next generation to find their passion and have confidence to know that they can do whatever they put their mind to. Sophia, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm so glad that I'm able to talk with you. Um, typically, uh, on the on this uh, interview, we just kind of, uh, for those that may not know who you are, uh, may not know a little bit about your story, we just kind of start from the beginning. And I know uh, you started um, competing in swimming uh, competitively at the age of 12, but maybe even before that, uh, how were you involved in sports early on in your in your childhood? Yeah, I learned how to swim when I was three years old. And then um, growing up, I did a ton of sports. Um, I had a horse and I horseback rode. Um, I did basketball, volleyball through grade school. Um, I was a pretty good skier as well because growing up in Colorado, you got to do some winter sports. Um, and then <laughs> That's I got, requir- required by state law, right? <laughs> yep, it is required by state law. And then, um, then I got into swimming at age 12 when I joined my first club team, and then it got pretty serious um, from there. And, um, and, and when you started um, competitively swimming, did, did, were you still involved in other sports, or did you decide, you know, I think I, think I found my sport, this is what I want to do, and I need to concentrate on this? Yeah, I kind of dropped off a lot of the school sports, and then I kept up um, skiing and then horseback riding since I had a, I had a horse. So those two, um, but those are definitely more turned into hobbies and a sport that I did on my free time for sure. Did you find any of those other sports good cross-training opportunities for you in terms of uh, enhancing or improving your swimming abilities? Yes, yeah, skiing's um, a great a great cross training for us, and then horseback riding. It's just nice, just a nice mental break for me to do something um, with with my horse and animals in general. So that's very true. I know that that it's very ther- therapeutic and just kind of gives you a chance to just get away and, and relax and, and and enjoy some time outdoors as well. And, and what was it about swimming that that uh, sparked your particular interest? Yeah, I joined a club team and there was about five girls, including myself, um, and we were getting ready to, or I was getting ready to join the high school team there as well. Um, And that was, it was just so much fun with those girls. Um, We just had a ton of fun practicing and hanging out after swimming. So that sparked the initial real love of it. And then um, being a dwarf, I'm pretty heavily involved in LPA, which is Little People of America, mm-hmm. and some other little people who are former para- or always a Paralympian um, saw me swim at an LPA event, and they talked to my mom to, 
you know, take me to a Paralympic meet and get classified and, you know, see what it was all about. And that's then where the Paralympic love came in. So uh, how old were you when you, when you really thought, you know, I, I, I'm interested in the Paralympics and pursuing that, that elite level uh, of competition? I was about 12, 13 years old. Wow. It was all pretty quick within starting swimming um, on a club team and then getting involved. Okay. And, and I understand or heard that, that you were also looking at the alpine skiing kind of um, space early on. And, and what, what kind of changed that for you? Yeah, I was um, just since I grew up skiing. Um, but the Paralympics don't have classifications quite yet for dwarfism. Um, so I'm ineligible to ski for the Paralympics right now. But hopefully at some point that will change. Um, just not in my sports career. Yeah, I think for, uh, you know, for all of us to try to figure out the, the Paralympic uh, sport classifications and, and, uh, and that whole kind of um, uh, system is, is challenging <laughs> uh, for many of us to try to figure out and comprehend. Yeah, it is. And, um, and, and so what is it about swimming now? I mean, what, what is it about being in the water that, that gets you excited and, and, um, and uh, gets you motivated every day? Yeah, I think um, I've been doing this now for about 12 years, um, and I'm coming up on my last Paralympic Games this year. Um, I was a member of the 2016 Paralympic team, and I won a silver medal. Um, and just the motivation of, of knowing what it's like to go to the Paralympics and be on the medal stand representing your country, I want – I'm – motivated to recreate that for myself this year okay and you said so so you said that this is your last uh you know what what uh has been involved with that decision um i'm kind of starting i'm getting old now for swimming i'm i'll be 24 at this games mm -hmm. um my body's been doing this for 12 years it's it's kind of time to give it a break and i've been doing this also for 12 years, like I said, and um, I haven't been able to go explore other options and um, I'm not working any jobs. I, this is my full-time job is swimming and I'm, I'm ready to start that next chapter of my life of getting a job and being an actual reality. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and folks that, that are listening and, and don't realize that, you know, when you're at the elite level, it really is a full-time job, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I train four to six hours a day and then I'm expected to recover about four hours. Um, so that is consists of taking a nap, taking an ice bath, going, getting a massage, stretching. Um, so my whole day is, is filled up pretty quick with swimming. Uh, and I was actually going to ask you about training. So I know, since you mentioned uh, that you train four to six hours a day, what does, what does an average training day look like? Yep. I will train. Um, I usually have two sessions in the morning and then I start my day around six o'clock and then it ends about 10. And then I have another session again at six at night to eight. Okay. And then in between, I'm expected to pretty much lay pretty low, you know, recover, take a nap, um, and get ready for that next session. And, um, and your training sessions, are they all in the water or talk a little bit about, you know, obviously the, 
uh, some time in the, you know, how you balance mm-hmm. time in the gym and cardio and, and water, uh, tr- you yeah. know, the skill, the skill set of water, <laughs> water training and all that stuff. Um, I have two sessions in the water and then one session in the gym. Um, and I get enough cardio in the water that we don't do, um, extra cardio. Um, so that, that's what my days look like. <laughs> and I understand you, you also do yoga. I do. I try and do that on my day off on Sundays. And to give my body a, a relaxation. I was going to ask what, what yoga, um, you know, why, why you do yoga. So it's, is it real? It's relaxation and, um, and, and some meditation perhaps as well. Yeah. Um, mentally I can, I can really wire myself up. Um, especially this year, there's been a lot of unknowns. Um, and I'm a pretty type A regimented person, um, who thrives off a schedule. And this has been pretty challenging. Um, cause I do not have a huge schedule right now, just of ongoing things that keep changing. Um, and then just stretching, um, in general, physically helping my shoulders open up and, um, my hips and stuff. And you kind of mentioned, obviously, <laughs> the uh, chaotic nature of this year. Um, how how has training been impacted by uh, COVID and the pandemic specifically? Yeah, um, at the beginning last year, I was out of the water for about four months, which was the longest time I've ever been out of the water um, trying to train. And then um, since then, it gets kind of spotty every once in a while. My pool's owned by the city. So it all depends on the city numbers. So if they get up, you know, I think it's 15% positivity rate, it gets shut down until it get, it goes back down. So um, it all depends on, you know, what's happening in my community for the pool to stay open. So that's been a huge eye opener for me of just how much I depend on, you know, all those people to run the pool f- because swimming is a really interesting sport where, you can't really do anything else that mimics it. So when I was out of the water for four months, I was still exercising. But when I got back in after that break, um, I was at ground zero mm. um, just because I lost all the feel. That's a good point. I never even thought about that because, you know, there, there are other times that you can you know, try to mimic your, mimic the, the, the rep or the, or the skill set. But yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. And, and, and the fact that, you know, Tokyo was delayed um, an extra year, how has that impacted your, as you mentioned, your, your next chapter or, or your, you know, even your body a little bit? Um, how has that one, one year delay impacted those types of things? Yeah, it's, um, there, was a, there was a good week that I was trying to figure out when the delay, the postponement came out that if I was going to go for this next year or if I was just going to call it. Um, and I obviously decided to go the next year. Um, my body is able to do it. It's just a little old and takes a little bit to get going every (laughs) once in a while. Um, so, but yeah, there's still that concern, um, in the back of my head of, you know, they, they could cancel it this year if, you know, we're not in good enough numbers and the COVID hasn't gone down. Um, so hopefully that doesn't happen. It's still, um, honestly a big concern of mine just since, um, I've done this for another year and I really hope to see 
some results of all this training, um, not for it to not go to waste, but not to see what I'm capable of doing with it. Right. Absolutely. And um, so, so fill in the blank for me. Sports make me blank. What does sports make you? Uh, sports makes me confident. Okay. And, and you, and that's probably all growing up all the way through until now. All right. And that's kind of a constant, constant uh, uh, philosophy, I imagine. Yeah. I, especially just when I'm training really well um, and I'm putting up good times in practice that that's just confidence in itself. And I swim my best races. I know when I, when I have, when I'm confident in my preparation for them. And, and I know that, um, at the at the Paralympic level, you know, as you mentioned, you had some some folks visit you and talk to you about about the sport and Paralympic sport. Uh, and I know that you have kind of carried on that legacy of giving back. And it's kind of like uh, and so talk a little bit about the importance of kind of paying it forward or giving it back uh, based on how you've been supported and helped along the way. Yeah, I think just getting out the Paralympic word out um, to young girls, young boys. Um, of what sports can do, especially. Um, sports was pretty hard for me in grade school since um, I was kind of not on that level playing field. Um, and being in the Paralympics, it levels it out, but it makes it way more elite. Um, so if some little girls, you know, on the track team in her high school and she's really struggling, knowing that there's the Paralympic side where she could be, you know, the best in the nation and she has no idea. Mm -hmm. um, so just getting the words out because sports is such a great thing, even if it's not sports, you know, music, art, whatever it is, but, um, you know, inspiring the next generation to find their passions and have confidence that they, they can do it if they put their mind to it. And, and kind of along the lines and along those lines, I know you've been very involved in uh, the, the women's sports foundation, uh, you know, as a, as an athlete ambassador and in other ways, you uh, were re the recipient of a travel and training fund grant. Uh, talk to me about the importance of those types of um, support uh, mechanisms that, that allow, you know, yourself as well as, you know, other athletes to be able to continue to pursue, uh, you know, Paralympic levels, uh, you know, so, uh, sport activities. Yeah. Um, so in the Paralympics, um, 80% of athletes live at or below the poverty line. So a ton of us are getting jobs to make ends meet. Um, and I decided this quad that I wasn't going to do that. And I was going to solely focus on my training full-time job and see what I was going to be able to accomplish in Tokyo. Um, so this training and travel grant is going to help me get to trials this year in April. And it's gone away into my swimming fund and I don't have to be concerned or start worrying now of how I'm going to fund myself to get to trials, um, which is also a nice mental break just to be able to solely focus on training, which is super helpful. And I'm so grateful for the Women's Sports Foundation for making those travel and training fund grants available. And especially I'm a swimmer and I don't take a ton of equipment and a lot of sports have equipment. So sports can get pretty pricey pretty quickly. For sure. So I'm so grateful for them. Indeed. And it just allows you to not have to stress or worry about one one component yeah, yeah. of that, right? And and uh, where where are the trials this, this April? Um, we actually have two trials. So we have 
the trials in April in Indianapolis, and then the final trials where the team will be announced in Minneapolis in June. That's awesome. And uh, you alluded, Sophia, about your next chapter what, um, a little bit at the beginning of our conversation. What Do you have some ideas on what that will be or what that will look like? Yeah, that's that's the million dollar question. <laughs> um, I don't really know, and I've I've kind of figured out recently. Um, I've been so hyper focused on sports the past twelve years that I haven't developed other passions outside of swimming. Um, so honestly, I I have a college, I have a bachelor's in business communication. Mm-hmm. I got. Um, who knows if I'll use it. I think what I'm going to do after the games is I'm going to shadow some people, um, some jobs that I think are really interesting and then go from there. Um, Cause I don't have a ton of passions outside of swimming and I know that's fairly unhealthy. Um, so I'm going to work on figuring out what I do love after swimming um, and try some things out. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Uh, it's it's the exciting part sometimes of of turning that page of an, of a new book, right? Is is um is that exploration and that discovery about yourself and about uh, what your what your other interests might be. That's exciting. Um, how uh, how are you redef- redefining disability? Um, I think I just I grew up in a town where I was the first um, child to go through this whole school district with a physical disability. Um, so I'm, pr- I was pretty aware right off the bat that I was different um, just to make school everyday life as similar as it is for able-bodied people. Um, you know, there are some modifications that I need to do every day, um, but where I'm on an equal level playing field as everybody else. I just may have to work 10 times harder to get onto that equal level playing field. Wonderful. And if folks want to kind of continue to follow your journey, are there, you know, either social media platforms or other ways that people can follow you up through, uh, up through the summer through uh, Tokyo? Yeah, I have an Instagram and that's at Sophia Herzog. Um, and then my Facebook's public and then my Twitter is at Sophia Herzog as well. Awesome, Sophia. Well, thank you for being my guest today. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.